Are you looking to pursue excellence and take your success to the next level? You're in the right place. Welcome to Excellence Mindset with your host, Ryan James Miller. All right. Well, welcome, welcome. I am excited for another episode of the Excellence Mindset podcast. And today I have a friend and business colleague, Sean Kelly, with me. Welcome, Sean. Thank you. And uh, I cheated a little bit. Now I know it's your birthday today. I just found out about that earlier. So happy birthday. Thank you. Appreciate it. What does it feel like to turn the dirty 30 corner? I feel old. <laughs> you know, I guess mentally, not physically. <laughs> I don't feel that old yet. I, I had a, um, a, an acquaintance uh, come on the podcast a couple of episodes ago and um, we were talking uh, about something and he goes, you know, I'm kind of feeling old. And he's talking about the millennial generation. And, and I knew he was a couple years younger than I am 40. And, um, and he said, well, I said, how old are you? And he goes, I'm 38. And I'm like, oh my gosh, you're 38 talking about being old. I said, 55 year olds listening to this are literally wanting to crush you right now. Right. <laughs> so you're 30. That's nothing. Yeah. You got so much life ahead of you. Yep. Uh, well, that's awesome. Happy birthday. Congratulations. Doing anything fun? Uh, probably going to dinner and a movie, I think. Anything special? What, what's like the dinner uh, uh, place that you just love to go to? Uh, I like Bari Bari. Bari Bari. Temping Grill. All right. Flipping some rice in your mouth. Sure. We'll practice later. <laughs> All right. So, Sean Kelly, what do you do and who are you? Who are you and what do you do? Uh, like... Like you said, I'm Sean Kelly. Uh, I live in Yorba Belinda. I've grown up in Yorba Belinda, California my whole life. Um, I am a mortgage professional. Uh, I get people financing for real estate, both residential and commercial. Um, I have a beautiful wife, Randy, who is a school teacher in the Placentia Yorba Belinda School District. And we have a one and a half year old daughter named Carter and a dog named Remington. And a dog named Remington. All right. So, um, mortgage mortgage broker, um, that is a exciting opportunity to provide um, a a whole lot for for somebody. You're helping somebody to fulfill the quote unquote American dream. Um, so, just a very uh, noble uh, profession that you're in. But I also know that at one point you were a firefighter. Uh, and so what was it about the mortgage industry that uh, just that just pulled you away from saving lives and attracting the ladies? Uh, so the first thing that kind of attracted me to the mortgage industry was I'd always had a fascination with real estate growing up. Um, just the fact that you can own property and produce income with it. You can live in the property. There's multiple different facets of real estate. And you don't really learn about real estate unless you do your own self-education growing up. They don't teach you about it in school um, unless you go to college for it uh, later on. But, you know, high school and, and elementary school, you don't really learn about it. So I always had this fascination in the back of my mind of, you know, what would it be like to be in real estate? Um, and, you know, the fire, what drew me away from the firefighting aspect of it, um, my wife, Randy, who was my girlfriend at the time, was not a fan of the 24-hour work schedule. <laughs> yeah. um, or if you were gone on a wildfire in Arizona, you know, you could be gone for two or three weeks. Yep. So she was not a big fan of that. And she liked the the nine to five or the eight to five, whatever it was. And 
Um, both my parents were in business, so I always have a, had a business mindset growing up of the sky's the limit when it comes to opportunities in business, where the firefighting side, you could only become the chief, and that was pretty much it. So I didn't like the limiting side of, of the firefighting aspect from that. Granted, you run different calls every day. No call is ever the same. So you're always on your toes, which is good, but, uh, you know, there is limits. Yeah. So, so any regret at all in, in, in leaving that profession or I don't, I have zero regrets leaving. Um, I actually think that going through the fire Academy taught me discipline for the mortgage business. Um, as you know, being self-employed, you're not given a calendar by somebody on what you need to do every day. Otherwise, you know, we'd all be the same robots. Yeah. Yeah. Where the discipline that I learned growing through the fire academy and, and becoming a fire firefighter was, you know, you have certain tasks that you have to do. And, you know, sometimes you're not going to be held accountable by anybody but yourself. Yeah. So um, I think I think God put me in that position um, to to be able to teach me how to keep myself accountable. Yeah. Yeah. No, that, that that's that's reasonable. So, OK, so discipline. Uh, you said you, you, you learned that through the fire Academy that's helped you in business. So explain or share a little bit about, so what does that word mean to you and how are you practically applying discipline on a day-to-day -day basis? Because you're right, right? Self-employed, um, other than the fact that you have a wife and kids at home or a kid at home that, uh, that needs to eat. And so you need to go kill something. Yep. Um, there's really nothing that pushes you, right? I mean, you could go sit in an office all day long. You could twiddle your thumbs. You could watch YouTube, yep. uh, play video games. I guess people are still doing that at 30 nowadays, right? Oh, yeah. Fortnite. <laughs> so, so that's it, right? I don't even know what that thing looks like Me either, I but I no hear idea. about it all the time. No idea. So if somebody's listening right now, I want a Fortnite demo. I just want to see what that looks like. I'm not going to let my kids get into it because yeah. I heard it just sucks them in. Um, so, so what does discipline mean to you? How do you practically apply that? How do you keep yourself disciplined? Um, yeah, just expand. Uh, so I think discipline boils down to setting parameters for different aspects of your life, depending on, you know, obviously priority, because we only have a certain amount of time per day yep. to do certain things. So you have to figure out priority wise, what is number one, number two, number three, number four, and so on up until you no longer have hours in the day to do what's priority order, you yeah. know? So, but once you've dictated, okay, priority one is fitness, because if I'm not fit or healthy, all the other things don't matter. Or faith for me is number one, um, because if I don't have faith, what, what else am I doing? I'm just living. Right. Yep. Um, so once you've set those parameters or once you've set those disciplines, then you have to set parameters on, okay, well, what does that look like from a guardrails perspective of, you know, okay, if I am not reading my Bible or I'm not working out X amount per week, then I'm not staying disciplined. Uh -huh. um, and, you know, we could always set these things and try and keep ourselves accountable. But I fall, we both fall off the rails on, on certain things all the time because that's life. Yep. Um, and the, the sooner that you recognize that you've, fallen off and the faster you jump back on the the more after to be to stay disciplined yeah so i mean is that written down somewhere are you looking at a calendar every day a journal what is it for you 100 written down for me uh, i think in writing 
if it's not in writing, it's like it's just in your mind so it can pass and, and, and go away. Yeah. Whereas if you're cons- – I consistently write down. I write down once a week. Uh, every Monday morning I sit down and I write down my goals uh, for each discipline. Okay. So faith, family, friends, finances. I call them the five. The five Fs Okay. Um, are the big ones for me. Uh, and obviously business is part of the finance side of, of things too, because that's what drives in money for us. Yeah. Um, and so, it needed to be an F. And yeah, I just, it just freaking business it just, just fits <laughs> and it makes it easy. You know, I, I don't forget it. So, yeah. yeah. Um, you know, friends are a big one for me too, because it's like, if you don't have a good ecosystem of friends, it, being an entrepreneur is lonely in itself sometimes. Yes. So if you don't have a good network of friends that support you, understand where you're trying to go and, and you know, are supportive in your in your endeavors and business, then it's just kind of you get really lonely sometimes. Yeah, so. yeah, and then, you know what? That that's so interesting. So you talk about friends, and I a hundred percent agree. You know, like it's that community aspect. We were created to live in community and a relationship with other people. Um, so one thing that that has been a challenge for me in the past is. Um, you know, you're the product of the people you hang around with, right? For sure. Um, and so uh, sometimes that ends up meaning that you are being dragged down by the people around you. Not that they're bad people. Um, maybe, maybe you know, but, um, but it's not necessarily that. It's more of um, you may be the most successful person that you spend a significant amount of time with. And so you're not having that influence, that push, that drive. So, so do you have that? Um, You're going to put friends on blast maybe right now, but I mean, do you have that in your regular uh, community of friends or do you find that in the business community with people you work with? Like, how are you drug up the hill when you're struggling or being, you want to be inspired? So like, how do you do that? Uh, I think the big thing is. Like, yeah, my, my group of friends, you like to associate with people that are like you. Yeah. You don't want to be an outcast. So if it's you playing down to somebody because of your success, it kind of puts you in a weird position sometimes. And sometimes you have to do that in order for, for that other person not to feel bad. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I, I think there's a gray area and a fine line. But at certain times, you're... I have to remind myself that I'm responsible for my happiness and my motivation. Mm-hmm. And you may get that at different points from different friends, but I don't always go to the same people for motivation. I always try and find it elsewhere, like spread myself you know, around it, read books, listen to podcasts, because you're always going to get typically the same ideas from the same person over and over again. Yep. Whereas if you're not branching out and trying to find new people and new ideas, you're just kind of sitting stagnant. And that's where I think it can become a problem. And more, more along the lines of, I see friends from more of a social perspective rather than a developmental business perspective. Okay. I I like to see friends like, Hey, let's just relax a little bit. Have a good time. Let's hang out. How's life? what's going on with you guys and work and your business and your family rather than having to have them motivate me to try and push forward in my business. Yeah. 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 No, I, I understand that. I, I, I guess for me, and, and this has come in different waves, but I, I agree with you that it doesn't have to necessarily be uh, the, the business motivator. For sure. Um, but as you said earlier, your five fives or your five F's, 
um, you know, all of those things together, right, make up you, right, fuel you, charge you up. Correct. And so for me, I think what's been um, really exciting is um, watching my friends, um, say my guy friends, um, be really great daddies to their kids. So that inspires me, right, to want to be a better version of myself or watching them treat their wives, you know, well. And so I think that there's so many ways uh, that we can, um, you know, we can be inspired to greatness, you know, in some sense. Definitely. So not just the business side, but yeah, I'm constantly evaluating those five F's because in my eyes, um, you know, being excellent is having a good balance between the five F's. Yeah. I mean, if I'm focusing 100% on finances and business, then these four other Fs are failing. Yes. And that is going to be a disaster yep. long term. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, so that is so, um, that's so important. Uh, I was uh, speaking with uh, somebody on another episode and we were talking about the fact that um, a lot of the people, unfortunately, that we aspire to want to become, and I say we generally, yeah. because they're in the public eye, athletes, uh, actors and actresses, right? Famous people, uh, artists. Um, so many of them are really crappy behind the scenes, right? Um, uh, they weren't great dads. They weren't great husbands, um, which is something actually so I, I, I so appreciate it. I don't know if you saw this or not. So LeBron James, yep. right? Um, he's definitely a love him or hate him guy. I think you're, you're, you're a puller of one side or the other. Um, now all of a sudden, all of us in LA are probably <laughs> going to become LeBron fans. Bandwagoners again. Yeah. I mean, why not? Right. I've been a Laker fan my whole life. And, um, after the last few seasons, it's about dang time that yep. we have, uh, we have some talent. Um, one thing that I appreciated about him and I didn't know this. So like on the court, um, you know, being in LA and he's in Cleveland or Miami or, you know, wherever he was bouncing around for a while. Um, you don't really see the personal side of who he was. And uh, I saw this infographic that was created on him and it talked about the fact that like he's still with his high school sweetheart. I saw that same one. Yeah. There's never been a, a story of infidelity. There's um, he's a great uh, father to, yep. you know, to his kids. He takes care of his family. He's investing into the community. Some of that we've heard about. I just think that that is so amazing. And it's almost a shame, I think, that that statistic on him or that story is not shared more often. We know yeah. he's a phenomenal basketball player and that's great, but he hasn't made headlines because he hasn't done bad things. Yeah. And I just think that's just such a twisted way to look at, um, or that the world portrays people. Right. I think, you know, that I think the world is just looking at his financial success, just the one aspect yeah. of him. And that's what they're equating success to, which that's what the world does. It's all about money. Right. Yeah. Where, if you're providing value to people and you're, you're being a humble servant and all these other things, money will come. Yep. Like you just, it, it's going to take time. And that, that's another thing that is a huge, um, it's not a struggle so much, but more I'm always evaluating this too, is the patience versus procrastination oh. syndrome. Where, so expand on that. Okay. So basically I was re I can't remember where I read it, but there, all entrepreneurs and business people, and I mean, it doesn't really matter. You can equate it to anything in life. You have to be patient for what you, what you, you know, sow and what you reap and all this. And versus you have to evaluate, okay, am I being, am I procrastinating on this or am I just being patient? 
Hmm. Because you, if you're not doing something that you know you should be doing, you're procrastinating, right? Okay. In, in your own mind. Yep. But there's also some gray area too, because it, you may not think you're procrastinating because your mind's telling you that you aren't. Yep. But you are. Yeah. Or are you just, business takes time. Relationships takes time. Health and fitness takes time. Everything yep. takes time for it to come to fruition. And that's the patient side of it. So if I were to go meet a new person, you're not going to have the same relationship with that person that I have with somebody that I've been friends with for 10 years. Right. Because right. of the patient side. Right. And you have to let it develop. So it's always something where you have to look at, okay, am I procrastinating on this thing or am I just being patient and waiting for it to happen? Yep. Yeah, that that's fantastic. I haven't heard it directly equated like that before. Um, and what, what I think probably is most entrepreneurs, um, are gonna definitely uh, need to exercise more patience for sure. Right. Um, even though everybody procrastinates, right. There's something that we don't want to do. Always. And so it just sits in the corner. Um, but, um, but yeah, I think that that exercising patience is so important and we live in a society today. Uh, I was talking to, um, a gym owner about this. We all want everything right now, Always. right? Like, tell me how to lose 20 pounds tomorrow. And it's like, no, that's not going to happen unless you just cut off a limb or something. Right. Yep. Or I want to make a million dollars. Like you're 30, right? So like um, uh, people, a lot of times they get into business and they're like, I want to make a million bucks by the time I'm 30. Like I remember, and I'm like dating myself and I'm only 40. I remember making a million bucks by the time you were 40 was crushing it. Right. Yeah. It was crushing it. Yep. And then all of a sudden we we just made this huge gap of an entire decade or jump of a decade to now people or then people were like, I need to make a million bucks by the time I'm 30. Yeah. And now what's absurd is now you're seeing people that are in their early, early 20s uh, that are making a million bucks. Right. And all these crazy businesses yep. and software companies and some good, some bad. And so now kids in high school are aspiring to be millionaires, yeah. right? Like tomorrow. Yeah. Like how bad is that for society, right? I just, I can't, it's, I, nobody can stress it enough because you don't know what you don't know, right? So I think the biggest thing is life experiences. You know, people always say growing up when you're in high school and early college years, it's like, oh, you don't have life experience yet. And we think to ourselves at that age, oh, well, who cares? Like, yeah, screw you. What do you need life experience <laughs> for? Whatever. Yeah. But as I've gone through my 20s, I've seen everything has led me up to where I have become a, a better man, a better person, a better businessman because of life experiences that I've gone through. Yep. Um, and the money side of things, money's not going to buy you life experience. Yep. And yep. It, it's only going to buy you material things and potentially time. Yeah. Some time to do other things that you like to do. But yes. other than that, it doesn't make you whole. It does. It's just, it, I don't know. Yeah. You know, I, I, I think that's great. And, um, I, I think this is a big problem. This is not an attack necessarily on teachers as much as it's an attack, uh, on, um, uh, the education system as a whole. I think a big problem that we have probably particularly at the university level more than anything is they're just, <clears throat> and this is a generalization, but they're still just teaching people um, how to be book smart. Uh, and, and I know there's some progressive, you know, uh, classes and degrees out there, but, but 
you know, we create this, uh, this idea in a college student's mind or a high school student's mind. I'm going to go to four years of college. I'm going to spend $400,000, right, of yep. my parents' money or in a crazy loan, yep. which loans are just getting out of control. Um, and, but I'm doing all that because the day I graduate, my degree has just earned me a six-figure job, yep. right? And it, that's just so bad and so backwards. And yet that's the assumption that is being created. And, and not only that, but you come out and all you have I mean, I hate to devalue it, but it's like you have a piece of paper, yeah. right? Yep. Like, do you even know how to apply all the things that you just learned? And it's that life experience, right? It's yep. like, no, you probably shouldn't have spent all that money on college, right? Yep. Um, for most people, right? There, there's some specific needs, but you probably shouldn't have spent all that money on college and then come out, take an entry-level job like we all did, yep. learn, grow, learn some more, grow some more, take some small bumps and pay. Yep. And by the time you're 30 right? Or 40, yep. you may be killing it, yep. but take your time. Yep. I think patience <laughs> is the number one thing and just being a sponge and knowledge. Yeah. I mean, you, obviously you have a filter, but keep that filter as open as you can, because you're going to learn things from people that you would have never thought of if your filter is too small. Yes. Um, and obviously you're going to know you have a, a BS detector and radar. It's like, oh, well, that's completely wrong. Or you fact check it or whatever you want to do. But I can't tell you how many times that I've been open to learning things. And it's like it sparked something else mm. later down the road and where I'm like, oh, yeah, I remember that. And I could do this with this. And things just the, the star started to align, you know? Yeah. And it just becomes, you can't limit yourself with just what you learn in a book. Yep. You yep. have to apply what you learn in the book with action. And, um, you know, I, I think college is, is not so much geared towards knowing what you want to do in life. I think it, it prepares you for how to, how to communicate properly with people, how to get along with people, how to read, how to write well, um, how to do what it gives you some basic information on whatever your degree is going to be in. Yeah. Yeah, no, um, absolutely. So, okay. So <clears throat> shifting gear back to you a little bit. So, um, you are, um, uh, fairly successful, uh, at a time when, or in an industry, I'll say that is very volatile, right? I mean, definitely fortunate to be in Southern California where, Everybody wants to buy a house for a million dollars and it's 1,200 square feet. <laughs> yep. um, but, um, you know, people are clawing each o over each other right now. Um, but uh, so so you've been fairly successful. But if you could add one thing or if you think about like what is the next thing that you need to do or want to do um, to become more successful, and that could be back to feeding any one of your five F's. Um, what is it that you're, you're looking for? What's the next iteration of business owner, Sean? From a business perspective. Yeah. Um, so we had talked about this probably a couple months back about, I can really go one of two ways with my business um, because I produce my own loans and do my own production. Uh, I deal with my own clients. Um, I can go and grow that aspect of my business um, to create more referral partners, get more clients, do it on my own with obviously the help of an assistant or whoever, you know, it may be, 
Or I can go the other route and pass my knowledge on to the younger generation of how I grew my business from scratch um, and give that knowledge to somebody else and help somebody else grow. So I, I, it's a catch 22 because I still feel like I have time to accomplish both, mm -hmm. but it's coming down to, okay, which one do I want to put more priority to? Yeah. Um, do I want to do both at the same time? Do I want to grow my personal production higher? So that's more of a more self-sustaining than it already is and then switch over or do I want to put hundred percent focus on developing other people? Yeah. Uh, because I think having knowledge to yourself is, is great, but giving it to somebody else is just, I mean, that you, you can't, that you can't get a better feeling than that is giving it to somebody. You know? Yeah, no, for sure. And I, that, I mean, that's a, that's such a crucial, um, crossroads, right. Or fork in the road, uh, because, um, Again, as an entrepreneur, um, often we want to continue to build our empire, not even selfishly, right? Yep. We just, even though you are producing loan, helping people to, uh, you know, to get loans and you're uh, producing loans, um, really they're buying you, right? So you can continue to do that better and better and better and make more money, but probably at some point you're going to tap out, right? 100%. You're just going to burn out or yep. whatever. Your wife's going to get ticked off. Um, the other fork is, okay, um, I do want to bring on one, two, three, right? I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to build a, a company or a team. Um, but the fear there is uh, you're probably going to have to take a pay cut. Yeah. Right? Yep. And so um, how do you, as, as you're getting ready to make that decision, like how do you weigh those things out? That's a tough question. Um, because I think there's a lot of people that are in a similar situation, right? I yeah. mean, we, yeah, I, I want to hear what you say first. And then, so I'm pretty, I evaluate everything based on risk, risk reward. Okay. Um, what's the risk behind the decision that I'm about to make? And what's the potential benefit or reward of making that decision? Um, and you have to weigh both because, Everything always has a risk and a reward to it. So am I willing to take a decrease in my personal production and my personal take-home pay to help somebody else eventually get to somewhere where I'm at production-wise and, and watch that happen? Am I going to get yeah, – then it becomes really fine line too because it's, okay, I'm losing money, but I'm gaining satisfaction. Yeah. So I'm basically paying myself satisfaction to watch somebody else grow and not have that money in my bank account. And but I, but it's an emotional bank account. Right, right. So so you're kind of trading currencies in that in that aspect. Yeah, and I mean and you know you are making a long-term investment into yourself and your business. Uh, by bringing somebody on. Obviously, there's a ton of other risks there, right? The right person at the right time, the right pay. You don't train them up and then they go do it, you know, they can on leave their own the next or, day. Yep. Right. Yep. So I, I know I know there's a lot there. I love the idea of as soon as we possibly can replicating ourselves. I run into this challenge consistently because I, I am my business. Uh, I'd rather not be, but if I'm not doing the work, um, at least the revenue generating work, it doesn't get done. Yeah. And so I'm trying to always constantly think of ways like I am willing to pay people right now. It's like, 
I'm going to pay people to save me time, yeah. right? Which I think is another wise thing to do. Like, again, as an entrepreneur, we think that we have to do everything ourselves um, because we do it better than anybody. Yeah. That's probably not the case, number one. And number two, if we're just if we're able to take some time to train another person to help us, an assistant or a junior broker or whatever, yeah. man, the long-term benefit to that, yeah. uh, I don't think we even get it. Right? No, I, it's hard. To, it's, it's almost intangible. Cause it's future. Yep. Right. And, and know, we want everything now. Yeah. Yeah. You don't want to sit and wait. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. You right. want the money in your bank account tomorrow. Yeah. 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 So my other big thing too was I'm as an entrepreneur, you always talk about revenue and expenses, right? Those are the two main drivers of business. And yes. obviously if your expenses exceed your revenue, you have a problem. Yes. Yeah. Unless problem. you're the federal government and then you yeah, just continue print more to money. print more money. Yeah. Right. Okay. <laughs> so but, somebody uh, out there knows how to print money for us. Please, uh, please let me know. Yeah. Cause I'm always constantly evaluating, okay, where can I cut expenses? And, and that becomes gray area and fine line because I should be thinking, how can I generate more revenue more often than how can I cut expenses? Yeah. And I think a lot of entrepreneurs probably are like when they're first starting out or thinking, how do I keep my business expenses to a minimum? Right. Where it's right. like, if you would have taken that same amount of time to think about revenue generating activity, yes, you would not have to worry about expenses yes. as much. Yes. Yeah. Which again, I think goes back to a lot of times, um, some sense of a desire for immediate satisfaction. Yeah. Uh, so um, I met with this guy uh, the other day and <clears throat> He was telling me all about how amazing his business was and how amazing his product was, uh, and yet uh, they haven't grown in the last couple of years, and how amazing of a salesperson he is and how he just crushes it. And I'm like, look, yo, just pick up the phone, right? <laughs> but um, whatever, fear, procrastination, something was in there. Um, I think a whole lot of pride and cockiness, and he's really not as good as he says he is. Yeah. Um, but yeah, sometimes it's just, look, how do I generate more revenue? Because better, I like that you said that, better than cutting expenses, even though we need to be smart, yep. revenue makes everything better, right? Always. Good revenue makes Always. everything better. Yeah. Yep. No, I, I, I love I love that idea. Yeah. Okay. So what about, so um, there, there are some possibilities, some change happening for you, um, and, but we'll expand this one if you want to. All five of your F's, you'll have to recite them again later. Yeah. But um, so what about fear? Like how, how does fear play into how you live? Um, uh, what keeps you up at night? What are you afraid of? Uh, and if you say nothing, I'm going to call no, BS. No, no. If, <laughs> if anybody says they're not afraid of anything, they're they're lying. Yes. Um, yeah. We all have fear. Uh, if you don't, there's probably something wrong with you. Um for me, it's it's not being able to provide for my family is the number one fear, which I think most male adults that are breadwinners or I'm not going to say male, but breadwinners can associate with because it's like, if I can't provide for my family, like, you know, you kind of, what, what else is there? Yeah. Right. Yeah. So obviously providing for your family means bringing in income. Yeah. So at that point, it's like, okay, I have a fear of what happens if income doesn't come in. Yep. And I've, oh, as time has gone by, I've realized that I've been able to, you know, basically tackle a, an industry and a business that has a terrible reputation 
because of the financial crisis and the crash of nobody liked mortgage brokers in 2008 or 2009. No. So and I didn't. We loved them in 2001. And I didn't fully. <laughs> yeah. I didn't fully realize that when I got into it because I, I was not around that. So, you know, it's like I look back at my past success over the last five years and I'm I, every time I have fear about losing money or not making any money and having money problems, I am betting on myself that I can always pull myself out of it. And ultimately it comes back to my faith. Yeah. Um, but you know, I have faith that God will provide for me at, at the end of the day, but, um, or give me the, the opportunities and, and the mindset to, to be able to provide. Yeah. Um, but that's my number one fear for sure. Yeah. I, 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 I love that fear. I, I don't like it in the sense of like, I have that same fear, right? I don't doubt that I can um, close deals and I don't doubt that I can generate revenue. You're just not always in control of that, yeah, right? 100%. Uh, you, you definitely have a huge part of it, but you, you don't determine whether what somebody says on the other end of the phone or, yep. you know, across the desk or yep. whatever for you and your business, right? If, if the Fed hikes rates again, like scare tactics go out yep. and people just freeze and still we're at some of the best interest rates we've been like, in our whole lives. Like, could you imagine if we ever went back to like the 13 percenters of like the eighties, right? Mm -hmm. My mom financed a loan at 13% on a house. Thank God it was only 90 grand or something. Um, so I love that fear is, uh, is that motivator, uh, in that sense, right? There's a lot of unhealthy fear, but that one I think is great. And I think that that ties all the way back to something you said at the beginning, which was you're responsible for your own motivation. hundred percent. Um, I think that's what you said. And so I like that because when you attribute motivation, your motivation ultimately to fear of not providing for your family, that's real. That's a big motivator. Right. It's not, I can't pay my house payment or I can't pay my car payment. And those are part of what provides, but ultimately we're like, I just want to be able to put a roof over my head or over my family's head. And I want to be able to put food on the table. Right. And so I, I, I love that. I think that I think that everybody um, should have some type of healthy fear built into them. Um, and as a, as a husband, as a father, I, I agree with what you said too. Like I, I would go as far as to say, if you do not have that sense of fear, you are either too cocky and blind to admit that that's actually there yep. or you're just an idiot. Yeah. And I probably offended so many people when I said that, but I just don't care. I mean, I think that that is just such a greater priority and you cannot be so confident and so successful that there's not a possibility of that going away. Oh, right? 100%. Like, it's just, it, it's just, it's there so much. Um, so we've talked a bunch about how um, all of your F's uh, integrate into one another, but particularly um, how does your role uh, as, uh, how does your wife like do you talk to her regularly about business uh, is it just sharing success stories or uh, what kind of we talked about wisdom earlier uh, do you leverage her at all I mean she probably like my wife I love her to death and she only half knows what I do right yeah. I mean it's just because I'm always running around doing so many things of course but like so how does your wife play into that um so when I first started in the industry it was talking a lot more about you know the the intricate details of things um, because I was still learning the basics. Yeah. So it was almost reciting things to her. So I could, 
I think the best way to learn is to teach somebody else what you've, what you're learning at that point. Yeah. So that was kind of my way of, of talking to her about my business back when I first started was, you know, the small detail stuff. Um, but then it became more bigger picture ideas. And, um, I like to bounce some stuff off of her every once in a while. Like, Hey, what do you think about this? Yep. Um, because she's my, my biggest advocate. She's yep. going to tell me I wouldn't do it or yeah, it's a good idea. Um, some marketing stuff. And, um, but she also sees the bad side of me when I come home and it was a bad day. Yep. Uh, cause she can just tell when something's wrong. I don't it must be a motherly instinct or something. Or a, a <laughs> no, yeah, it's a, but, it's a wife thing. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I probably have it all over, written all over my face. But um, so she knows when something's wrong and she, she likes to, to poke and prod and kind of find out, hey, what, you know, what was the problem or what happened? And I, I you know, I'll tell her sometimes, but other times it's like, oh, just don't worry about it because I don't want that stress or whatever happened that day to to happen to go to her as well. Yeah. Um, because it, I don't think she needs that. Yeah. Um, and I don't want to be the person to, to have to do that. And, you know, but part of me also says I have to have a, an outlet for what I can't tell her. Yeah. And that for me is exercise 100%. Um, so that's kind of a tangent, but no, 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 no. I mean, I, I think that's really good. And, um, but she has played a huge role in, in helping me succeed and helping me to push through on days that were rough um, and have patience. And that that's the biggest thing for me is I'm a completely impatient person. Like you said, I want it all now. And if I don't have something I'm consistently working on, I get super bored and I just want to set a goal and go for it again. But you know, you can only set so many goals and you don't want to get too far spread thin. So but uh, I'm a completely impatient. She goes, you know, it just takes time. Nothing great happens overnight. Yeah. Yeah. So, so true. No, I, I think that's, I think that's very wise. I mean, um, I have always leaned, I don't want to say always like my wife and I, we talk about everything and like there's, there's pretty much nothing that's um, not on the table. Um, but there's been times when I've sheltered her from things thinking I'm helping her out. Yep. And, um, and the way that that will backfire for me sometimes is either she she feels excluded yeah. um, or it continues to get pent up. And then finally I blow up <laughs> and she's like, where did that come from? And I'm like, well, that was the last 15 days, right? Of yep. like getting beat over the head by yep. somebody that I'm working with. So, yeah, I think that, the you know, that there's that balance there. And I appreciate that you said that because I, I love um, the person that should know us best Um or that probably does know us best has so much to offer us. And so when we keep them totally out of it, yeah, like we're not getting that's my home percent. life, this is my business life. Like that's crazy town, right? Yep. Like I just, I, I don't think people should do that. Yep. So if I don't even know that this could possibly happen, but the mortgage industry goes away today, tomorrow. Yep. Um, I don't know. Uh, the, the government decides that just like healthcare, they want to run the mortgage industry too. And so they're just going to fund all the loans. Yep. Um, what would you do the next day? I probably would take a little bit of time off okay. to evaluate because I don't like to jump into things without knowing quite a few of the details of what it's about. Yep. Um, and I would sit back and look at my strengths and my weaknesses too, and kind of, you know, ask my network what's available. Uh, 
just kind of sit back and take like a week off or two weeks or whatever it is and figure it out from there. I, th- I think jumping into something just to get a paycheck isn't the best, you know, use of my time. Yeah. No, because sure. what if you just jump out of that two weeks later because you hate it? Right. So right. why not sit back for a week, take the investment of time and think about things and go from there. But I don't know. I, I wouldn't mind going back to being a fireman. I mean, boy, your wife's going to hear this. I know. <laughs> um, but uh, I don't know. Something in business, uh, business, firefighting, either one. I, I would be happy doing either. And um, I just love helping people, man. It's, it's so rewarding to me to see somebody get a new home for the first time. It's just unbelievable. Like I'm not even the realtor. I don't even hand them the keys, but when they're signing their loan documents, it's just like, do you like stand up and do a dance? No, because <laughs> I can't dance very well. But, um, it's just a it's a great feeling to know that I've given them my highest and best service that I possibly can and educated them. I think education during this process is humongous because that's obviously what didn't happen in 2001 through 2007. Yep. And I think the more you can educate them, during this process, the 30 days of escrow, the better. Yeah. Um, Cause they're going to be in this loan for, you know, could be 30 years. But yeah. Does that even happen anymore? The average what loan? Yeah. Well, how, how long? Yeah. The average person only lives in their, their house for seven years. That's unbelievable to me. I mean, our parents generation, people own cars, you know, three oh, yeah. times that long and now they can't even hold a house for, yeah. you know, 10 years, but it's just, it's, it's so typical, right. To our generation, we always want the next best, you know, yeah. whatever's out there. Right. Yep. That, that's that's definitely pretty interesting. Okay, um, so as we're wrapping, uh, you just turned 30. So 10 years ago, you get an opportunity to look back on your 20-year-old self. What advice, one piece of advice would you make sure to give yourself? I would say, like I said before, always be a sponge and learn whatever you can and take in whatever you can because the more life experience, the more knowledge you can get growing through things, the better off you'll be long-term. Awesome. All right. And one more time, because I already forgot some of them, the five F's, because I want people to, to think through that as, as they're trying to apply some of these things to their life. Faith, family, fitness, friends, and finances. Faith, family, fitness, friends, and finances. And business runs into the financial Correct. because that's what feeds that. That's what that. brings in money. All right. The five Fs, Sean Kelly, you can't leave it. So you might as well just take it, figure out a way to apply it to your own life. Thanks, Sean, so much. Appreciate the opportunity to, to sit with you today and uh, look forward to, uh, to further conversations. Thank you. Appreciate it. All right, guys. Thanks so much. That's another episode of Excellence Mindset in the books. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Excellence Mindset with Ryan James Miller. If you enjoyed today's episode, please leave a review and subscribe. And for more great content and to stay up to date, visit ryanjamesmiller.com. We'll catch you next time.